When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of TFL Talking Cars. And we've got some exciting stuff to talk about, Tommy, because a lot has been happening in the automotive world. And perhaps the most exciting thing that we can sort of kind of talk about is the new GR Corolla and manual transmission Supra, which we just got done driving. Now, um, there are some key things that are embargoed. So there are three things we can talk about, but we can talk about a lot of other things. So we can talk about uh, fuel economy pricing and driving impressions. That's right, but uh, we can still talk about um, some other important things you need to know about the latest and greatest in Toyota performance cars, but we're also going to talk about some of the long-term stuff we've got kicking around the office, like the Hyundai Ioniq 5 and the Hyundai Santa Cruz, the F-150 Lightning, the Mini Cooper SE, and a bunch of other like things that we've been driving around right lately, including the new Acura Integra, so it's going to be a fun-filled podcast. Welcome to TFL Talk, the official podcast of TFL Studios, where we talk about the best, and yes, even sometimes the worst new cars. We talk about the coolest and sometimes the least uncool old cars. And of course, we give you an insider's view of all things automotive. And hopefully we do it having fun and sometimes arguing. So if you're driving, keep driving. And if you're not, why not? All right, well, let's get started, dude. So we just got back from Utah. Uh, Salt Lake City, uh, the racetrack out there where we got to drive one of the more exciting new cars, which is the GR Corolla. So what does GR stand for? So that's Gazoo Racing. That is the internal Toyota kind of race team going on right there. It's basically what Toyota's trying to turn the performance division into. So it's kind of like the BMW M, the Mercedes AMG. And there are actually three vehicles that, that come under that brand right now, right? Yep. So there's the GR86, which is the Subaru-made um sports car the affordable sports car there is the gr supra which is the uh, bmw made sports car with the uh, the two liter and the three liter engines and then the toyota corolla sorry the gr corolla which is the newest hot hat from toyota with 300 horsepower we'll get into all that here in a sec yeah we published a video over um at altfl.com comparing the three and there was a great comment on it tommy it was uh out of the three cars toyota builds the engine in only one of them yeah, it's true. Uh, so the, the GR86 has a Subaru engine. Of course, the Supra has a BMW power plant. And then the Corolla has the Toyota three-cylinder turbo. Now, you, got, you went on the unveiling of the GR Corolla, so I didn't know anything about it. But I was surprised to see uh, that there are actually three models of the vehicle, right, that are coming out. 
So there's the core, which is going to be kind of the entry-level model, and that's got a couple of different packages on it. There is the circuit, and then there is the Marizo edition. And the Marizo edition is kind of uh, the top dog track-focused curl. It doesn't have a rear seat. It's got um, the very special tuning, and it's very, 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 very track-focused. Whereas the core is going to be more of like your standard Corolla hatchback with the full five seats, and it's got um, it's got all sorts of more driver usability features. However, it's worth noting that every GR Corolla has all-wheel drive, and every single GR Corolla has a manual transmission. Why Marizo? So Marizo was um, Akio Toyo does uh, basically race name. So when he went racing in Japan, obviously he's a pretty big deal in every sense of the word. So when he went to a racetrack, he didn't want to be swarmed and get all this kind of attention. So he went by the term Marizo. You know what's kind of fun right now? I'm seeing this happening in all kinds of different uh, levels of car, be they these kind of cool new hot hatches. You know, with electrification coming, it seems like all the manufacturing manufacturers are throwing like the kitchen sink at their cars right so you're getting all these cool uh, high performance cars that are internal combustion engines so what makes this car really badass right is the fact that it's got a three cylinder 1.6 liter that produces 300 horsepower now to put that into context we just did a video today uh, and if you're if you're listening to this it isn't today but We'll do a little time shifting where Honda just announced the horsepower out of the, uh, out of the uh, Type R, 315 out of a four-cylinder. Yeah, so a little bit more horsepower than what the Corolla has to offer, but of course the Type R is only front-wheel drive, um, whereas the Toyota has the GR4 system, which is a torque-distributing all-wheel drive system, and there's a little button, and you can switch between 60-40 torque split, 50-50 torque split, and 30-70, so you can have it more of a rear-wheel drive-based hot hatch as well, depending on how you have that knob set. Yeah, it's cool that, you know, we're getting um, what I'm thinking of, at the you know, kind of in the waning days of internal combustion as almost a renaissance in internal combustion engines, where they're not only uh, fuel efficient, but they're also powerful and uh, fast. It's really cool to see. So uh, let's talk about this uh, GR Corolla, because I think that's the one that people are the most interested in. Uh, what does it compete with? Well, we already talked about the Civic Type R. Yeah. Uh, there's an argument it could compete against like the Volkswagen Golf R, which yep. is kind of a similar thing. Not a hatchback, but also in the tuning Japanese sports world is like the WRX. So uh, you have the outgoing Hyundai uh, Veloster N, which is no longer available. So lots of lots of interesting cars. Yeah, yeah, and you know one of those cars is dying, like you said, the Veloster N. Uh, there's the new Golf R, which is cool. That, that you know that might be the swan song for the Golf R. Uh, and then of course uh, there's one I'm forgetting. Is there one we're forgetting? Help me here. Uh, is there another hot hatch? I don't think so. WRX, you said that. Yep. But that's a sedan, right? Yep, we talked about the STI is going all electric, right? Yeah, we talked about the Golf R. Um, of course, a couple of years ago, you had like the Focus RS and the Focus ST. Those are no longer with us. So yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, we're uh, not getting um, the Yaris. There's a GR version of the Yaris, and I was really bummed when that came out and the rest of the world got it. And then we got this car, which is actually a little bit bigger and a little bit quicker in some ways. I think it makes more power than the GR Yaris, if I remember right. And it's got, um, you know, a, a size that's probably more suited for U.S. roads, which is uh, what you need. But, yeah, I mean, it's got all sorts of cool, fun little tricks in it. So, for example, this one we're looking at, if you're watching on YouTube, this gray car in front of us is the Circuit Edition, which gives you a carbon fiber roof. It gives you these hood vents, which are really neat. Um, this one has a forged wheels, which is very, very, very cool. So lots of really kind of high-performance, almost supercar technology making its way into a Corolla. So let's talk a little bit about the program. Uh, you know, I think people enjoy the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, and I think it'd be fun to get into kind of what's happening in the automotive 
uh, journalism slash influencer world. So once upon a time when uh, we used to go on these programs, I was, and you were, one of the only YouTubers out there, right, that was doing this. We were kind of one of the first ones going out there. Most of the time it was Car and Driver, Road and Track, Edmonds, you know, the usual uh, publications. And this program was all YouTubers. It was crazy, right? I mean, everybody was there. Uh, Sofian from Redline was there. Uh, Alex from Alex and Auto was there. Matt uh, from, what's his channel? Matt Moran Motoring, yeah. And yeah. then you had more of the enthusiast channels, like that dude in blue was out there and all sorts of really kind of Who are the two dudes specific... who tell the great stories? Who are those? Albin, I think, is her channel. Yeah. Alban, yeah. Really, really, really good videos over there. So it was pretty cool to see uh, that Toyota's really embracing the world of YouTube. So you'll be able to see tons and tons and tons of reviews on this car. I'm not sure it's really great. I'm, I'm kind of I kind of missed the days when we were the only ones out there and had you know early access to these cars. Now it becomes so the way it works is you go there and it used to be that they would let you drive the car and then you could publish your video whenever you got done driving it, right? But now what the manufacturer says is. And this goes back to like the good old magazine days when the magazines, you know, were printed and put together like way before they actually hit the newsstands, right? Uh, so they had these embargoes so that they were like three months out in advance. Now what the manufacturer is doing, and they say they're doing it to keep it fair for everybody, is, you know, they'll have waves of different journalists coming. So on our way, for instance, Sofian was there, uh, Dude in Blue was there, um, gosh, there were so many other YouTubers. And then the next wave when we were leaving, Alex showed up and Ryan from Driving Sports showed up. Uh, and then the Savage Geese guys, Jack, showed up. Uh, uh, but anyway, if we put out our video with all the information, then they would be kind of unfairly uh, prohibited from doing theirs because they're on the second wave. Uh, and so they make the uh, embargo. I think this one's a September 7th, and then there's one on September 14th. I forget which one is which. The manual transmission uh, Supra is one of those two. Uh, I got to look. I don't know. Anyway, um, and what that does is uh, on September 7th, there'll be a flood of GR Corolla videos, right? Other way. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter, but you're right. So, yeah, on it September, does matter. Yeah, on September 7th, they're going to be all Supra reviews of the manual Supra, and then the 14th is going to be is all it the, is it the other way? GR Corolla. Yeah, um, and honestly, that's just to be keep it fair, right, because not everybody can be there all at the same time. There are like 32 people in this group, and you can't have, uh, I think there's like four waves. You can't have 120 people or whatever it is. Um, you know, kind of all driving the car at the same time because they only had eight cars or nine cars or something. So it just is there to keep it fair. So we play by the rules because, of course, Toyota was kind enough to invite us out. And I would love the opportunity to be completely unbiased and, you know, one day pay them back for the hotels and the and the restaurants and stuff. But we just, the YouTube videos are going to make $19. And we'd be out of business really quickly if we do that. So what we do is we try to keep it fair and say, hey, just full disclosure, Toyota flew us out here so that you know that. Um, and then we try to review the car as fairly as possible. Yeah, I, I, I think at some extent you're always going to be influenced by people who put you up. You know, I mean, that, there is always that. I think I'd be lying if I, say, if I said I wasn't. But uh, to say that somehow we are going to give a bad car a pass or make a good car great, that's not true, you know. Uh, and um, a lot of times, uh, you know, people out there don't understand just what these embargoes are about and why they are. What makes it hard from a business point of view for us is that, like I said, on the 14th, there's going to be just a swamp cooler full of Toyota 
uh, GR or GR Corolla videos, and that makes it hard for us to make any money at all. Because so we try to kind of uh, do videos that um, walk this fine line between not breaking the embargo but giving you a first look at it. So I like I did a POV video on the racetrack, uh, and lots of times in the comments I'll be like, "Hey, I hate these videos because you're not telling me anything new." But the reason I can't tell you anything new is because I'm trying to be, or we're trying to be first to get you as much information without actually breaking any rules uh, that are kind of set beforehand. So let's talk about the other car, the Toyota Supra that we drove with the manual transmission. Uh, that is a ZF manual transmission, and it is uh, pretty cool that Toyota is deciding to bring the third pedal into the Supra. Of course, the Supra launched a few years ago, and the two big rubs on it were like, you know, it was, you know, a lot of BMW. Um, part sharing because they developed it with BMW and then the second thing was that it didn't have a manual transmission but now it does and I'm glad that they're going that direction. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, it's pretty crazy um, that, like I said, out of the three cars that were there, they all had manual transmissions. Mm -hmm. When the take rate, you know, on manuals is like less than 5% now. I, I've read it 4%. In other words, only 4% of all cars are sold with manuals. Uh, and I was listening to uh, a podcast where my friend Robbie was on, and he had made a good point. He said, if you're like into hashtag save the manuals, and then it's your turn to buy a car and you buy an automatic, don't be doing hashtag save the manuals. You got to walk the walk and talk the talk and shift the gears if you're going to be actually doing uh, that promotion. No, I thought the automatic super was very, very, very good. You can't and talk about driving impressions. It, uh, automatic super. Oh, automatic. Sorry. Yeah, it was super good. Um, one of my actually one of my favorite just driving and handling cars out there. And I can't wait to tell you all about the manual in a video coming up very shortly. Now today, if you're listening to this, the first day we did do a video where we compared it. Uh, the, uh, the new manual transmission one, once again, walking a fine line, uh, to, what do we compare it to? The GR Corolla, right? No. No? Mm -mm. What do we compare it to? So we compare the 2-liter Supra yeah. to the GR Corolla. Okay. 2-liter Supra is still only available in the automatic. Okay. So that's a big deal. So it's, um, it, the manual only is coming to the big straight six. The little engine is still going to be automatic only. Which is also, by the way, that little 2-liter Supra is also one of my favorite cars. They did a really good job, um, I think, with that. Save a little bit of money. Doesn't quite have the same sound or experience as the big engine, but the smaller engine is a very good car to drive. Um, and we did a little comparison comparing that to the GR Corolla. Yeah. Yeah, the funny thing was in this program, um, we usually send Paul, our, the former Stig, uh, on our uh, racetrack uh, because, you know, he can tell you more about a car in two sentences than I can in two paragraphs uh, when he gets it on the track. Uh, and this time they let us take the cars on the track. Uh, but the more interesting part was that we actually got to uh, drive them uh, around the track property. And I did perhaps go a little too fast. We got called out on it by Toyota. <laughs> they said I went 100 miles an hour, Tommy. Uh, okay. I don't think I did 100. I, I don't know. I, but gone, they, I think I could have gone 100K. They, no, they claim they had radar. So... Typically, radar is pretty spot on. Really? Yeah, but did we didn't see, know. Did you see any radar? Uh, I did. Anyway, anyway I, I want to apologize to you, Toyota, if that got you in trouble with the racetrack. We didn't mean to. Well, the part you were on didn't have a post speed limit, so yeah. it was kind of confusing. But that's okay. Um, I, I think. Uh, anyway, sorry, Toyota. I didn't yeah. want to get you in trouble with uh, the track. This was the motorsport complex, right? The what, what was the full name of it? Uh, Utah Motorsports Campus. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about some other stuff that's been going on recently. So we have the new Acura Integra at the office. Yeah. And what do you think of the new Integra? It's funny. I just got um, I just got off a program where I was driving uh, the um, SI, which is basically the Integra, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, and uh, I actually like the Integra more than the SI. 
um, just because I feel it's a little bit more mature, it's a little bit more grown up. Uh, you know, they both um, come with a manual. The Integra, of course, comes uh, with an automatic, which is a CVT. So we had the manual here. Uh, the SI is a little bit sharper, a little bit lighter, a little bit quicker. Uh, but I really like the Integra. You know, uh, your mom had an Integra. When we first started dating, she bought one. I sure did know that, yeah. And it, historically, the Integra and the Civic have been pretty tight in terms of their platforms uh, and how they're related. Of course, the new one is no exception. Um, but if you want an SI and you also want an automatic, the Integra is the way to go because you can't get an automatic on the Honda, but in the Acura, you can. Yes, uh, but what do you think about like the difference? You, said, you thought that the Integra is slower, it's a little bit more... GT-like versus the SI being a little sharper, a little bit more, you know, track-focused. I think that, yeah, the Integra is a little bit more kind of luxurious. Now, Acura is, uh, is targeting vehicles like the 2 Series, um, uh, what's that thing, the Active Coupe or the Grand Coupe, the Mercedes-Benz, like, CLA, and other cars like that. So that's kind of where they're going with that, um, whereas, like, the Honda, right, is a, is a slightly more affordable price point. But the one we have is fully loaded at, like, 37 k which I think is pretty good value. It gets a lot of really nice materials on the inside, a lot of good functionality, a lot of good features. So I, I do think that even though maybe it is pissing off a lot of the kind of the old school Honda fanboys who wanted like the, the Integra from the 90s or the early 2000s, right? When it went to like the RSX, which was basically an Integra, um, it still is a pretty attractive car. Look, I think it probably needs 50 more horsepower, but then there's no car that I think doesn't need 50 more horsepower. You know, uh, I think it's what you said, 200, right? Yeah, but uh, rumors are there's going to be a Type S version. So Acura right now has this nomenclature Type S, which they're using on like the MDX and the what is it, the TLX as well. And uh, I bet that's just going to be like a detuned or a slightly different uh, tuned Type R Civic. Now I'm going to say something that's I think blasphemous, but I haven't driven the new Type R, but I did sit behind the wheel. Uh, and just from kind of the the seating position, and it could be because I'm just getting old and you know um, fat. I'll be honest. Uh, that I like the uh, Integra better than the Type R, just sitting behind the wheel. Well, but a very different car. Yeah, the seats are very different. Type R is more of like a track-focused right. uh, performance car. This is a little bit more of like a Grand Tour. And that's, I think, where people are getting a little bit caught up, right? Because like a lot of people remember the two-door Integra, even though technically the Integra launched all the way back in the 1980s as a four-door hatch, just like what they're offering today. So, you know, my, maybe, maybe I'm missing something here, but... Uh, once upon a time, when I was growing up, there were all these kind of sporty cars, right, where they were just uh, uh, fast and fun, but they weren't racetrack bred. And it seems like now, when we're looking at a lot of the offerings, and I'm, I'm talking about everything from Porsche to, to the hypercars, they're all like race cars that you can take on the road. Uh, and what that means is that they're all kind of, and I think maybe McLaren started that, where it became, you know, there, there was this arm, arms race that's now filtered down even to like the Type R, where it's like about lap times and not about livability or drivability. So I, I miss kind of the, the old sporty cars, right? We're doing a series on TFL car, which is a lot of fun, where we bought three 90s convertibles, right? The Mustang GT, the Jaguar XK, uh, the uh, 300ZX, and of course, uh, what's the third one? 
I'm blanking on the third one now. Oh, uh, Mercedes 500 SL. And, and these these are sporty cars that are fun and comfortable to drive, and you can live with every day. A lot of these new cars that, that they're coming out, they're just they're just like you know they're, they're they're chasing lap times and not chasing like you know everyday usability. Because if you're gonna let's say let's pick the let's pick any of these cars. Let's say you're gonna pick a, 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 a Honda uh, Type R, right? You can most people are not gonna track that thing. Sure, some will, but most people use it to track on. Most people won't track it. They're going to probably tune it. They're going to take it out on the street, right? They're probably going to street race it. But as an everyday car, it's not easy to live with. Well, there's a solution. What's that? Civic SI. Yeah. Right. So I mean, so it's... so the problem with the Civic SI is it's just too slow, right? I want the power of the Type R, in because because now the bar has been reset with electric cars. We'll get to the Ionic Five that's sitting outside of our office. But that car, you floor it, right? And that thing pins you back like you know, like a supercar from the days of old, probably. Well, if you want a car that's comfortable but yet really quick, buy an electric car. That's the solution. There's no electric sports cars that you can buy in a Ford right now. There's no such thing. I think, um, I mean, I, I don't, uh, first of all, I think the cars from the 1980s that were sporty. Yeah. First of all, by modern standards, are not sporty. Like okay. a CRX SI had, what, 115 horsepower? So I had that car. I yeah. owned that car. And it was sporty for 1980s, but by today's standards, not at all. Yeah, um, so, uh, you know, I drove that car to my first job. I was a TV reporter in Rockford, Illinois, and I drove it every day from Janesville to Rockford uh, in the snow. And, you know, it's funny because I, I put more aggressive tires on it. Uh, I wanted to make it much more hardcore. But now that actually I'm driving a lot of these hardcore sports cars, I'd be like, I wouldn't want to drive any of these I think on it, a daily basis to it, work. It could also be like... The, Is it just me getting old and, yes. and, and, and fussy? I think so. You sure? Mm -hmm. I don't see you driving any like high performance sports cars on a daily basis, though. Well, they're just not my thing. But if okay, I was in, if I was into that world, I mean, like Porsche is a good example, right? Like right. the the GT4 uh, RS. Like RS, yeah, the Cayman GT4 RS, yeah. right? Is like crazy balls to the wall track car. Like this is just it's insane. It's got you know that induction right by your head is nuts, but. It is what it is because if you don't want that, you get a standard GT4 or you get a different Cayman, right? You get a Cayman S, right? Which is uh, sporty but a lot more comfortable day to day. So I think that there are offerings of like those examples, right, where you have track focused models. But the good news is the manufacturers haven't forgotten that there are still people that want to drive on the street. And I think this is a really good example, actually, the GR Corolla. Because if you want the one that's built for the track with no back seat and additional bracing, get the... Um, that's why I was so impressed that they did three models. Marizo edition. Yeah, yeah but Civic, good point. Civic, like, I mean, you know, you have, the, you have the Civic, you have the Civic Sport, you have the Civic SI, you've got the Type R. So there's a lot of different options in the Civic land. If you don't have to go balls to the wall with the Type R, you can have a slightly better ride, albeit slightly slower with a comfy ride. You know, people have often repeated this, right? They say the answer is Miata, and that's kind of a great example, right? That's a car uh, that you can track, but you can daily drive. Well, I can't because I'm too tall, unfortunately. But if you're not, you know, if you're not crazy tall, and I shouldn't say I'm crazy tall, but if you're not, if you're under six foot tall, I, I think, then you can actually fit in the car. But that's one that that has this ability to be both a track car and a road car. I don't think there are a lot of those cars around anymore. So you know, when we give a car to Paul, let's say we give that uh, new SI to Paul, right? And we've done this in the past, right? He gets it on the track, and it bur it'll burn through its. Uh, tires very quickly, uh, it'll burn through the brakes very quickly, and the Type R will do much better because it is track focused, but what I want is I want kind of the power of the Type R in kind of the livability of the SI, and that does not exist. It does exist. Okay, what is it's it? It's called the Challenger. 
I mean, that, go around a track. That's what a muscle car is. Because the issue is, if you want a vehicle to perform and be really fun to drive and have that really tight feeling, you got to have a pretty low ride and pretty firm suspension. Because okay. if you lift the ride height, you make the suspension soft, you give it a soft spring rate, it's going to wallow around and then it's not going to feel like a sports car, but it'll be comfortable every day. So you have kind of these two opposing worlds. Or you could do what a muscle car does, where you get that straight line performance of a massive V8 or some, you know, uh, massive power plant, but you still have a relatively soft suspension and big cushy seats. So that's kind of what a muscle car is. It's just a car that's really fast, but also very soft every day. But that means it doesn't handle very well. Can I give you an example from the off-road world, what I'm talking about? Sure. So, like, you know, let's face it, the Jeep Wrangler is incredibly good off-road, right? It, it's probably one of the most capable off-road vehicles there there is. Uh, but uh, you get it on the street, you get it on a road trip, and you immediately start to find some of its shortcomings, right? You've got solid axles, which hop over uh, expansion joints. You've got a seating position that puts your nose up against a windscreen. You've got the aerodynamics of a bread box. Uh, and then you've got cars like the Blazer, which unfortunately has just turned into a very everyday commuter, go to work kind of car, right? Sure. But to me, like the Bronco splits the difference. Like you can, you, you can, you know, you can take a Bronco and you can live with it on a daily basis, drive it to work, take your family on vacation, and yet it's very capable off-road as well. And so uh, that car, I think, in some ways, uh, kind of walks the line and doesn't make you compromise for one or the other. And I'm not sure that exists in the sports car world. Maybe like you said, that now the Corolla, in a way you've got that potential because you've got three cars to choose from, but I want one car that does it all. I think you do. Okay. I really do think you do. Like a Golf GTI okay. has always been a car that can do it all. It's a car you can take autocrossing on the weekends and carry your chest of drawers um, to Ikea on Monday or from Ikea on Monday. Another car like that is like the Elantra Ends by Hyundai. Very, very well-rounded, right? You got a performance vehicle with um, with a very, very capable suspension and tuning, but can also comfortably sit your family. So I definitely think they're out there. I think the Kroll's one of them. Historically, the WRX has been one of them, where you get a good mix of kind of family-friendly as well as handling. Um, so I think they're out there. I don't think, uh, I mean, certainly, like, I do agree the Type R is very firm and um, would be kind of, you know, jarring on a rough road to drive every day. But uh, like a, like I said, a GTR, a Golf R, a GTI, a Golf R, a... Um... Well, it's funny because, like, one of the things that Honda brags about on the Type R is that now it has a bigger entry into the rear seat. Sure. So, so to me, that is a pretty strong signal that they're working on actually uh, making it more family-friendly, more everyday usable. Right? Yeah. And who cares about a backseat entry in a pure sports car? Right. All right. Have we flogged that horse to death? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's keep going. Uh, so let's go through some of the cars that we have at the office uh, and what our experiences have been with them over you know, a good amount of time. Uh, you have just now uh, spent a year behind the wheel of the Mini SE, the new all-electric wheel, the new all-electric Mini. What do you think? What's your, what's your takeaway? That's very good. I think it's the most fun electric car on the market. It certainly is probably... From a number standpoint, one of the worst electric cars on the market in terms of range. <laughs> yes. I mean, only 114 miles of EPA-rated range. But if you are looking for a car to just go zooming around in the city to go do chores, maybe as a first car for a kid even, I think it's an excellent choice because it's uh, it's it's just a very small and very fun-to-drive package. It's front-wheel drive, but it's got a pretty good suspension setup. The steering is great. Having that small size means it's really nimble, and it's really fun in the canyons. Uh, you know... Um... 
you said that you're now with the weather turning really warm, getting up to what 150 miles of range. Is that possible? It's officially rated at 114. Yeah, so it kind of depends on how you drive it. I think it's a little underrated, but like um, a route that I frequently do, back roads speed limits 45, 50, definitely. You gonna be okay? <laughs> you need some iced tea. <laughs> there you go. Go for it, dude. Uh, so uh, to me, uh, what I love about the Mini SE and actually all Minis, uh, keep it. It's fine. And all Minis is that uh, they have this magic ability to be bigger on the inside than on the outside. You know, so like uh, I, as as I became in my old age a truck guy, I really value space, and I really hate being like like claustrophobic. And I know that in a sports car, that's the that's what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to feel like you're in this canopy, right? You're enclosed. But I like I like space. I like having like room for my drinks, for my uh, for my phone, right? I just don't like being closed in. And the Mini gives you that space, which is incredible because it's smaller than like a lot of the cars that we've been talking about. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, if if you have a family, probably not a great no, choice. No, the back seat's pretty tight. Back back seat's great. Uh, is a little tight. But yeah, it also has uh, the powertrain from the i3, which has been around. I mean, it's an eight-year-old car now, the i3. So I think a lot of kind of the worries about battery degradation is not a big concern because that's a very very proven platform, and um, it's very sorted. It just it's a. I mean, you get behind the wheel and it feels very tight. And it's also affordable, right? People, I always hear people are saying we need affordable electric cars, uh, and that one is affordable, and yet it never, nobody ever puts it on their list because of the range. Right, which is a big concern. Right? I agree, yeah, but still, I mean, it's affordable, right? We paid, I think, it was 36 for a pretty loaded one, which includes navigation, heated steering wheel, like, like all the bells and whistles, plus you get $7,000 back, or we got, so it was really a, a $30,000 car. By the way, what do you think of this new... Uh, EV tax credit program. I'm, I'm confused, and I, I, I really think it's just uh, a way to protect the American uh, auto industry and make cars $7,000 more expensive, if I'm being honest, which I, I always am. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah, it's just very, very confusing about having the part content and where it's assembled, and it's not necessarily America, it's North America, which includes Mexico and Canada. Canada. Um, and it, it's just a mess. I really think they mess it up. And then there's a new used car credit rolling up, too, which will be coming in the next couple of years. But only through dealers. But you have to buy your car through dealer, and there's price caps on the used cars, price caps on the new car. I mean, the whole thing is just a mess. I, if it was me, I would do away with the whole program, offer no tax credit. If electric cars are going to succeed, they have to succeed on their own. So I would say just scrap the whole project. It's a disaster. I'm with you 100% because at the end of the day, and this is perhaps a very uh, uh, skeptical way of looking at it, a journalistic way of looking at it, but all it does is makes all cars $7,000 more expensive because what the manufacturer do or did in the case of Ford, right, was they saw that people are going to get $7,000 credit and they upped the price of their car by $7,000, or in this case, the Lightning, right? And they did that a week after basically the, the law passed. I think there's no more obvious uh, connection that you can make than the fact that the manufacturers are just going to increase the price by seven because they know people are going to get seven k. But that didn't make sense to me. Oh, fair. Because didn't they have seven before the credit passed? Now they have seven after the credit passed. So why would they? Because the, the credit was going to expire. They're going to run out of credits, right? They only they only got two hundred fifty of them under the old system, so they were going to they were going to use them all up. And now, now that they're getting them again, right under the new one, hmm. I right? don't know. Like GM ran out of credits. 
Right, but I think Tesla ran out of credits. Wasn't Ford pretty far away from running out of credits? Uh, I don't I know. I think dude. they were pretty far. I I don't know the numbers. I don't know how many Mach-E's they sold. I don't know how many Lightnings they sold. But fifty thousand Lightnings, right? That's what they said they were building the first year. Right, but we're pretty far from even the first year production. And at least fifty thousand. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I don't I don't know what the numbers are in there. Um, yeah, it's a good point, Tommy. So yeah, the tax credit I think is very confusing, and then it locks out cars like the Ionic Five, the EV6, a lot of great cars, the Mini SE, the e-trons, right, which aren't made in the in North America. I yeah, Mini's made in US. UK, right? I mean, the Mach E's made in Mexico, yeah, and it still applies because it's North America. So it's very confusing kind of credit, and yeah, I don't think they nailed it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, anyway, so um, the Mini SE, uh, if you can get your hands on one uh, and you want an affordable city car, I think that's a great choice. Uh, and don't let the 114 miles scare you uh, because if you're just using it to zip around town, it's plenty. And it's, e and it's got all of, the, all of the great features that you want in a city car, right? It's small, it's easy to park, doesn't take up a lot of space. Uh, and because it's got a small battery, you can actually charge it using the wall outlet versus having to go to, like, you know, uh, Electrify America or installing a level two because you can charge it pretty quickly using the wall outlet because the battery is tiny. That's true. Most people I talk to that own them never actually have any modifications to their house to so just plug it into like the same outlet you plug your phone into and just let it kind of charge overnight. Now, if you do have a level two, like I went from pretty much like two percent or three percent or something yesterday to hundred percent and. I don't know, it was like four hours. Yeah, it was done pretty quick. It was really very fast, five hours, something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, that's pretty good for just plugging in at home. It also is fast charging up to 50 kilowatts, so you can go 10 to 80% in like half an hour if you had to. So yeah, I just, what Mini does is they really, it feels like a BMW, but like an old school BMW where everything is super well screwed together. So all the panels, all the buttons, all the little switch gears feel like they're made out of concrete in that car. And it's a very good feeling vehicle. So I'm really impressed with that. And lots of cool colors you can get with stripes and wheels and all sorts of yeah, fun. Yeah, you know, they just announced this week that you can get that triple colored roof on a lot of different editions now. Yeah, it's the, uh, they have a multi-tone roof. So like you've heard of like white roofs and black roofs. You've also heard of like contrasting roofs. But you can get like a white, red, and a black roof that mend together in this very cool pattern. Yeah, hard to do, I bet. Yeah, it's paint and everyone's different because the machine that paints it can't get everyone exactly the same so it's pretty neat stuff and like you said it's affordable now it's not as affordable as like the new chevy bolt they actually raise the price of the mini se by killing the base model i think they said due to supply constraints or whatever but like a bolt you can have under 30 grand now mini starts at like 33 uh, and the bolt has a lot more range uh, but it's also a lot uglier and just doesn't have nearly the same character yeah and the bolt's going away the mini is not going away no no the bolt yeah the bolt's going away what do you mean it's brand new no, no, no. The bolt is going away. Didn't they? They just gave him no, the new they, one. No, 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 no. That's going away. That's it's done. Bolt is done, dude. What do you mean? It's done. This is like the last year. They're going to the Chevy. What's the new one? The. Uh, but I haven't heard bolts going yeah, away. Yeah, well, why would they just completely redo it and kill it? They, because that was it. That was it. It's done. It's going away. No. Yes. I don't. I think, Google it. Yeah, I don't think it's going away. No, bolt's going away. I promise you. Bolt's going away. What's the new one that they've got? The Chevy. The is Blazer the, EV. The Blazer. Yeah, that's what's going to replace it. I don't think so, Dad. They just refreshed it for 2022. Okay. Uh, Bolt is going away. It says eventually, but it doesn't say anytime soon. Mm. All right. Well, anyway, let us know in the comments below yeah, what I mean, you've heard. It doesn't because they came out for the 2022 model year, brand new. They just completely redid the whole thing. Yeah, it was kind of odd, but I think it was a stopgap measure until they got the next generation of Altium uh, batteries and cars. Uh, uh, down the line, it'll be discontinued because it's not Ultium, right? right? But I think it'll probably stick around for a little bit. 
I don't know. It was a disaster because they had the whole stop sale with yeah, the batteries. Exactly. It was just anyway, the whole car. Let, was let a us mess. know in the comments. Maybe the whole thing was a mess. Uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I I, I I I you know I don't know everything obviously, but I try to keep my ear to the ground with what the latest news is. Uh, so uh, let's talk about another car uh, that is electric. While we're on the electric, before we get to some trucky stuff, uh, we have uh, the brand new Ionic Five. We drove it uh, from uh, L.A. to here. Uh, uh, the boys put a video out on it. It's over at TFL EV. Uh, and we're going to do a, me and Nathan are going to do a quite an adventure. We're going to drive it from D to D. You know what that stands for? Yeah, Disney to Disney. Yeah, we wanted to do like a, well, we want to do like a cannonball, but cannonballs are dangerous and not particularly, um, I don't know, you know, family friendly. So we wanted something that might be a fun video that we could have fun with. So we thought, you know, instead of being reckless and trying to set some crazy electric car record why don't we have fun with it and drive it from disney to disney and i think that's going to prove how viable cars are or aren't not as road trip vehicles uh, so what do you think of the Ionic 5 you, you you spent a lot of time with it yeah it's probably one of my well, it is my favorite new ev on the market probably one of my favorite cars period on the market because hyundai has done a magical thing of combining good looks great practicality good value great performance good comfort all in the one car i mean i know there's like the saying like uh um, but is it, it's a uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Yep. But this is kind of like jack of all trades, master at most. It really is incredible at what it does. It charges from like 10 to 80% in 15 or 18 minutes. Um, it's an 800 volt architecture with over 200 kilowatts of peak charging, which is just nuts. It's got a huge amount of room on the inside, but it looks small on the outside, even though it's got a longer wheelbase and a Range Rover. The design is the coolest looking car on sale today. It's very futuristic, retro 1980s looking. Um, looks like something got a Tron, like a remake from the 80s. It was just, it's killed it. a really cool light signature. Really killed it. Yeah, the, the, there are a little, there, you know, when you spend time with a car, you do start to find some things that aren't grand. Uh, first and foremost for me is the frunk or the lack thereof. I like frunks. Well, there's a front cubby, but it's very, very small. Yeah, you put your charging cable in there. Yeah. That's about it. Uh, and then uh, it's got this kind of weird onboard power where you can get a dongle and you can plug stuff into it, but that's uh, an option that our car didn't come with. So there is a plug that's kind of hidden, you know, in between the two rows of the second row in the back seat. Uh, and we just put some lights in our uh, uh, pergola that we built at the ranch, uh, and we tried to use, or you tried to use that car to power it, and it didn't work very well, did it? No, I don't know if it's an issue with our car or what's going on. I got to dive into it a little bit more, but it was kind of intermittent coming on and off, so got to figure that out. Yeah, and the boys had the same problem trying to charge the phone off that one. It didn't, didn't like, didn't keep doing it. So we don't know what's going on with that. That might be an issue with uh, either, you know, what, the way we're using it, or it might be an issue with the, with the car itself. Yeah. Um, so pricing, I think, starts at about forty thousand. <laughs> Uh, for rear-wheel drive, um, this one that we have is like 52, yeah. 53, something like that. But it's a heck of a lot of cars. It's got big, comfy seats. The we, we got the all-wheel drive one. Yeah, the all-wheel drive, dual motor. Uh, the infotainment is pretty good. It's also very quick, 0 to 60, like in the under five seconds. So it really chugs down the road. Um, and it's roomy. It's incredible. You know, I'm not going to do another roomy thing, but it, there's a lot of room in that thing. We had my friend visiting from Illinois, and there were four of us in there and plenty of room. Right, yeah, really good. Tons of room, yeah. Uh, I don't like the door handles. The door handles are yeah, pretty silly. Yeah, the door silly. handles are kind of goofy. They're they, these electric they, things that yeah, pop they, out. They pop out. They don't pop out like 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 fully. They kind of cantilever out. Uh, it's kind of weird. I agree. Um, and then like the self-parking thing where you can pull it out of the spots, kind of a gimmick. It's a little bit of a, yeah. And it's a little bit of a faff. Yeah, I don't like that very much. And then um, there's something else I didn't it's like. It's a cool party trick to show your friends. Yeah, it's a cool party trick yeah, where you can exactly. drive it remotely using the key fob. 
what else it doesn't like do what that? tesla does right it doesn't like like a dog come at you no um it's, it doesn't it's, come <laughs> i don't like the position of the wireless charger either it's like underneath the arm kind of by where the arm but, the, but is. these are all small little things i could i would highly recommend it if you're looking great for great car yeah an, and, and i would say it's actually better than a model y and i think for a long time that was a high watermark for electric cars and i think this one's just cooler it's got more style it's got more pizzazz let's face it the model y is kind of a tall model three uh, and they're everywhere model y handles better so it's got a pretty firm ride the model y this it does. is very Al floaty almost too firm uh, yeah, the performance. Model Y is, is I think the ride. Well, we've owned it, so we know. The ride's pretty bad. Uh, the, the, the Ionic is a lot more floaty. It's kind of like old school American car, which is fine because I don't, I'm not looking to like drive it quickly. Uh, I just want to kind of putt around town, and it's fantastic ride quality for that and road trips. So we've owned the Model 3, the Model X, and the Model Y. I got to say, the Model Y was my least favorite. It was a, it was a performance, and I thought I'd like it the most. But uh, out of those three, I didn't really love, I didn't like connect with that car. And I'll tell you why. It just seemed to be uh, very uh, generic. Is that, you know, there's like nothing, nothing like special about it. Once you got past the fact that it was electric, the minimalist styling just did not blow me away. Uh, the suspension was harsh. The brakes faded early. The power was there, uh, but it's kind of the wrong car to have that much power. You, you know, you don't, you don't need to be doing like three seconds, zero to 60s in a crossover. The one I loved the most, which I think you hated, is the Model X. I just thought the Model X was really badass. Great ride, tons of room. Slow. Well, it was still like four and a half seconds, <laughs> know, zero to 60. The issue of the Model Y, uh, the Model... And those doors, man, they were cool. The Model X has had like some really silly things. Like it was it was very quick, right? It was like four and a half or something. But it, we ha came out of the three, and it felt so much slower than the three. Um, it, ha it had these issues with the CV angles where it would they were clicking after a couple thousand miles. To get it to go quickest, you actually have to lower the suspension because of the CV angles. And the doors are ridiculously stupid. I love the I doors. I hate the doors. I, I think the doors are going to be so cool like 50 years from now. When they're broken and you can't get pe parts. Pe people are going to be like collecting that car just because of the doors. People are going to be avoiding that car because of the doors because when they fail, you're not going to be able well, to get parts look, for as, them. As a, as a family hauler, the doors are a little awkward. But as a, as a cool piece of like ancient... But it's a family hauler. It's as a, as a cool piece of ancient tech, it's going to be badass. I thought that the self-opening doors were very cool in the yeah. front. That was very cool. Um, I like the seats. The seats were good. And I like having a screen in front of the, the driver. Why, why, this is turning into an EV show. I'll, we'll get off of it in a second, but I have a question for you. You know, at Monterey a couple weeks ago, Lucid introduced their new Plaid Fighter. Mm -hmm. Why do they keep building these, like, crazy, expensive, stupidly fast sedans? No one's buying sedans. If I were, hey, Lucid, if you're listening to me, first of all, um, you know, let us drive a car. We've got a pretty big audience that would probably be interested in it. But uh, why are you building a car that competes with a car that no one is buying. I, I don't understand it. Lucid should be the first one to be forget about competing with the Plaid, build a crossover or build it. You know, I, I'm on my high chair here complaining about, you know, every EV being a crossover, but that's where the market is. The trend is your friend. Why do you keep building these obscenely expensive cars that, that are just like, you know, competing with Mr. Musk, maybe the CEO, you know, who, who I, I'm sure him and Musk don't have a great relationship. Maybe this is like a personal contest now between the two. But, you know, it seems like you're spending a lot of money chasing, you know, very small market. That's just my take. I don't get that. And now we're not going to review a Lucid. Maybe not. I don't know. You know <laughs> we'll still be fair about it. No, I, uh, you know, you know what this is, this is like, the old, I, lo I love that they're doing this. I think it's great. Really? Yeah, because it's like the old school 1960s, 70s muscle car era. Where you had Ford that had like the 260 But people, but people are buying muscle cars. No one's buying sedans now. Well, I Every think... year, less and less sedans are sold. I know, but it's 
muscle cars were like on, on the upswing, right? I'd that was still, like that was like I'm wow, still, people were like cool. I'm so sick of crossovers. At least it's not a crossover. You know, that's I'm, where I'm right, sitting. Here, this convertible sports car, uh, oh, seven, seven row. Pick something else besides a sedan. I don't well, get it. First of all, I think sedans are easier to make good looking. Yeah, maybe. You know, I think it's a pretty good looking car. I think it, Lucid is working on an SUV too, by the way. It's you know everybody's working on something, but if it's not for sale, you know, Tesla's been working on a Cybertruck forever. It's not for sale. Uh, you know, I, I, as a journalist, I, I can't be like over the moon about a company's marketing or PR when the thing's not available. But don't you think it's cool they're having like this straight line performance? No, battle? no, I don't care. I, it's it's a silly. If you want if you want to put that kind of speed, put it in a sports car and make it handle both in a straight line and around a track, then you'll impress me. Yeah, but that's boring. These are sleepers. These are cars that look like normal sedans, and then holy hey, moly! You think it's people like know that they're quick? No, not a plaid. Really? I think I, I mean the people listening to this do, but I think a typical person can be like, yeah, that's a Tesla. That's probably By the way, did you quick. see the big news this week? How all the plaid steering wheels are falling apart? No. Yeah, they're like completely falling apart. What do you mean by falling apart? Uh, the uh, all the leather's coming off. It's just starting to fall apart. It's not good. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know those little yoke. Every single one. Well, there was one that was at like nineteen thousand miles. It looked like it had, oh. looked like it had gone through a war. Well, maybe they had used nothing but sunscreen on the steering wheel. Well, apparently it's more than that. Anyway, uh, that was a big news. Yeah, I, I, and I hate the yoke, so I'm kind of like, eh. yeah, the yoke is pretty silly. No, I mean, I, like, an SUV probably would have sold better, but at least uh, there's something cool about this. Like, it's like the zero to sixty wars all over again. I think it's pretty fun. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, my my mom just called me. Yeah. She's going to call you next. You know how that goes. Yep, for sure. <laughs> That's the next phone call on your phone over there. Just giving you a heads up. You're going to call from her. Uh, so let's talk about the uh, Santa Cruz. Yeah, so we had, there you go. <laughs> you want me to pick it up? No, we'll call her back. Yeah, so we have a long-term Hyundai Santa Cruz. <laughs> Grandma can wait. Which is the small pickup truck uh, based on the Tucson and it's a great little trucklet. It has been super useful to have around the office. It's done lots and lots and lots of parts runs. It's been a videographer car. It holds a ton of stuff. Uh, well, ton of stuff relative to a crossover. And it's pretty fast because it's got the turbo and the dual clutch transmission. Yeah, it's been a lot of, a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, um, I, I thought it wasn't going to be useful, but uh, every time I, you know, want to go, like, take some stuff to the garbage or clean up some uh, garden refuse, it's just be very useful vehicle to have. I love the fact that it's got a bed. You know, you don't want to put garden refuse inside of your, pick your crossover SUV because it gets dirty. With this, the bed, just throw it in there, take it, dump it out, good to go. Part of it is that it's very easy to park as well. So it's uh, about the size of a, like a typical small crossover. So you can squeeze it in the small spots of the grocery store and in town. And um, yeah, it's, it also tows 5,000 pounds if you're so inclined. And as you mentioned, it just it holds enough stuff for kind of daily around the house jobs. It's got a very comfortable interior, super easy to drive, much nicer to drive than a pickup truck like a Tacoma. It get, uses less gas. Um, and there, there are some issues I found. Yeah. So first and foremost, the one that bugs me the most is uh, the material in the seats is not leather. It's some kind of it's like a, a neoprene. Yeah, it's like a clothy neoprene, but it feels like Velcro when I put my head on the headrest. It like grabs my hair. Oh, that's interesting. It like pokes and grabs my hair, and I really can't stand that. So I don't want to touch the back of my head. I also am. I've gone beyond not liking to becoming very disillusioned with the dual clutch. I just think uh, you can get it in eight speed if you get the smaller uh, 2.5 non-turbo, but I don't like that dual clutch. Uh, it, it, it takes too long to spool up. I know you can paddle shift it, but it feels like the right 
truck with the wrong transmission. Well, yeah, and it's kind of a little herky-jerky from a stop as well in terms of, and, and it, like if you, so it's very quick once you're in a gear, engaged in a gear, but that transition from stop to first, there's like, you know, the car is kind of modulating the clutch and it's actually pretty slow. So once you get in a first gear, that takes off like a rocket, but from a stop to like 15 miles an hour, you're like, oh, come on, let's go. Um, we're getting about 27 mpg. Which is pretty good. The yeah. fuel tank, I think, is a little too small. We're always filling it up always with gas. Always filling it up. Yeah, I don't know how many gallons, but whatever it is, needs, needs add five more. to it. Yeah. I do love that it has a traditional shifter, unlike the Tucson Hybrid, I think, which has the standard buttons. And speaking of the hybrid, I think they need to put the hybrid. If they're going to compete with the Maverick Hybrid. Yeah, they should it, do it, if it, if it. Basically, it's a Tucson with a bed, so it wouldn't be hard for them to. No, but we've I been saying so. that now for a year, and eh. I um, I do like the infotainment a lot. So we have the SEL Premium, which up, is yep. one step below the top trim, which means you have the smaller screen, but you have an actual volume and two knob versus great. the top one is all digital. Yeah. So definitely recommend the SEL Premium. Plus you get heated seats and, and that kind of thing. It's all-wheel drive as well, so it's going to be pretty fun in the snow, I think. It's got pretty decent clearance. Not an off-road truck, but pretty decent clearance. And... The tonneau cover, I'm kind of hit and miss on. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think it's nice to have if you're going to the airport and it's raining and you got to bring some luggage back, but uh, it does kill like a good half foot of bed space, mm. and that's a lot for a small bed. Yeah, so what it has is it's like built in. It's a it's a hard it's, tonneau it's a, cover. It's a roller. Yeah, yeah built from from delivery. It's like right? a roller shade. It rolls out. Yep, and it's lockable. It's but it like it's a big box that kind of sits at the top of the bed. And I always forget about that little like cubby that's underneath the bed, right? Yeah, the the little trunk. Yeah, yeah we never use good. that. Maybe maybe if I was in California and surfing, I needed to put someplace for, for my wetsuit. But I just I, I, when I go to the grocery store, I just throw the stuff in the back seat. I always forget about it. It's, the back seat is good for the dog. Really good for the dog. Yeah, yeah it's very easy interior to keep clean. Yeah, um, it's got a uh, bumper step. Uh, well, because the guy who designed it came from the Chevrolet yeah, exactly. program. Um, so it's got the bumper step. Uh, the front end is a little too plasticky for my liking, but it's got really good headlights. Um, pretty decent um, assistance technology. So ours does not have the adaptive cruise, but it does have lane centering. So on a road trip, you can just kind of rest your hand on the steering wheel. It'll just stick you in the center of the lane, and you can cruise for a long time. It's a good road tripper, good interior space. So overall, I'm very, very impressed with it. Uh, but the biggest complaint, like you mentioned, tonneau cover, fuel tank, and there's one other and thing. And Velcro, Velcro. Oh, Headrest. another thing, another yeah, reason more. to get small screen. If you get the small screen, you get wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. If you get the big screen, you have to wire oh, it. Oh, 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 uh, Piano Black. Oh, yeah, that's oh, another big A lot of dust collection there. Very much so, yeah. It gets I, way too much I'm dust. I'm very OCD, and every time I get into it, I'm, like, wiping off all the dust because mm. it's everywhere. Yeah, a lot think, of dust. I think we're way past, like... Uh, the prime piano black ears, and I'm hoping manufacturers now start going to other materials because it's getting just way overdone. I completely agree. All but right, let, let, okay. But if you are looking for an alternative to not maybe like a pickup truck, but like an SUV, you're like, you know, this SUV is working, but I'm doing a lot of stuff with wood or with construction materials or like, you know, my wife's got some plants and like the dog, like whatever. It's very useful. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, so let's. I know we're kind of stepping on uh, truck on, on the truck world because that's t Andre's podcast. But, you know, let's just finish it off uh, with a palate cleanser for all the EV stuff we've done. How about our 2500 Ram Cummins? Right. So go way big on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. So this is a – we bought a Bighorn-equipped Cummins. It was like 65 grand, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, we wanted to buy the cheapest one, and Tradesman, but, you, you know, you can't get them now. So we got the – Whatever was on the lot. Uh, which was a silver <laughs> – 
<laughs> Big horn. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's the so in the Cummins lineup, there's a high output and a low output. 2500 has a low output, and you can get the high output in the dually, or the 3500 too, I think, as well, the single reveal. But it's a lot of truck, right? It's got a big six and three quarter foot bed. Um, it's very, very capable. It's an extremely good tow machine. I don't know how people daily drive them, though, because the ride is pretty firm. Like, you can tell it was set up for towing and hauling. Yeah, Andrew just took it off-road, so if you want to see how it does off-road. Probably a, not super good. Head over he, he said it was incredible. He was mm. super impressed with it. Mm. Yeah, he did the two-tree squeeze in a 2500, and he said he didn't have to, like, you know, sweat it out. That's interesting. Yeah. I think that the interior is pretty good. We have the 8.4-inch screen. Uh, we've got it's pretty basic. Yeah, manual climate control, that kind of thing, cloth seats. But it's holding up very well. It looks to be very durable. Um, I mean, really, the big news on the, is just that Cummins is spectacular. It's a fantastic engine. Really, very, very, very good it's, engine. It's like, you know, like I said, the, the Wrangler is the ultimate off-road rig. This is the ultimate towing rig. It just it just eats up the miles, whatever you strap behind it. You know, we were towing uh, the, the E100. Mm-hmm. I was going to say F100. If you guys don't know, we took a... Uh, we took our F100 and partnered with um, Maverick from, uh, what's the name of the company? Legacy EV and 101 Motors, and then we converted its old farm truck to be electric on Tesla batteries, and we just towed that to the ranch, and it just kills it. Just kills it. doesn't even know it's back there, yeah. The only issue, let's talk about the issues that I have with it, and there are a couple issues. First of all, the headlights are just are just beyond abysmal. Right. For a 60-some-thousand-dollar truck, come on, Ram, you could do, um, how much more is an LED? Really, how much more is an LED? Well, they offer them if you pay more, but they should be standard because it's course. a big safety this thing. Is a safety issue you shouldn't be putting these like 1916 lights on the thing uh other thing i don't like uh, once again sixty five thousand dollars it should be standard at this point is like keyless entry how about you, blindside monitoring when you got a big blind spot truck? monitoring yeah. would be good yeah where you keep the key in the pocket to grab the door handle yeah. i would love that i don't care about like a sunroof for cloth or whatever but the, it just feels like a lot of cost cutting for stupid yeah, reasons yeah right yeah so they're definitely they're trying to squeeze more to get you to go to like a but a limited or a or a higher end truck for sure so, or like a Laramie. Yeah, and we did this video, which was actually pretty interesting. We towed 10,000 pounds. We towed our skid steer with it, and we did an acceleration run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and guess how fast the Cummins went from uh, 0 to 60? I don't remember. 18 seconds. Okay. And we compared it to the Lightning. Guess how fast the Lightning went? 17. 10. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, 10, but the, but, yeah, but the Cummins will do that for 300 miles, and then... Um, you just refill it in three minutes and off you keep going. So that's, of course, a big advantage. No, I think it's a great truck. There's uh, one, other, one other issue I have. Uh, it does tend to burn through a lot of DEF fluid. But that, I but don't I, think... Especially when you're towing. I don't think that's unique to the Ram. No, no, I think any, any, any diesel, diesel truck does, does do that. that, yeah. Right. But uh, it's not cheap, right? It's like $24 for that big jug, and that jug like fills up half of the tank. The other thing, too, another thing, and this is, once again, not unique to the Ram, but all manufacturers, especially in the HD class is the, the four-wheel drive trucks sit so tall, and it's really hard to kind of get stuff in and out of the bed if you're shorter. I mean, I'm six feet tall when I stand up straight, and I have a hard time kind of reaching in and out of the bed, uh, loading heavy stuff in there. So it'd be cool if, like, we could get a three-quarter ton truck that sat a little bit lower, um, but that's, you know, that's where the truck industry is. Yeah, I know, especially if you're, you know, you're trying to get in the back. We were just, uh, what were we doing where we had to get in the back of that thing? Well, we were camping with it, right? We had that... Uh, a four-wheel Project M camper, and you're going back and forth into that thing. It gets to be a... No, no, that was the lightning. Sorry. What were we doing where, where you had to get in there a lot? Uh, we were moving something, some couch or something. I don't remember what we were doing. Motorcycle or something. Anyway, we were moving something, and it was... Oh, it was a grill. 
Oh yeah, we were bringing a grill home. Yeah, yeah that, that we that was kind of overkill for a that grill. was a, that was a Santa Cruz job that we brought the Cummins to, and that was a mistake. We, we should have brought the Santa Cruz. We to that definitely job. brought a gun to a knife fight. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for that, uh, and then uh, you know we could talk about the lightning, but we've done that, so I think uh, we'll save that for talking trucks. What do yep, you say? Next time. Well, guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, this has been a fun show, uh, and uh, Tommy, what's coming up for you? What you got coming up? Um, I'm going Detroit Auto Troll, right? New yeah, Mustang. Detroit, yeah, we're going to check out a new Mustang. And Andre's going to check out, I think, a new truck. Is he? I don't know if that's been announced yet. But oh, then don't announce it. He's going to go check out a new truck of an unknown manufacacturer. Okay. Uh, and then Mitsubishi Outlander Pihev, Toyota Crown I'm going to, uh, Volkswagen ID4. So lots of stuff coming up. Yeah, we got something in San Diego. That's the new Kia Nero. Nero, yeah, is I think right? Case that's, is going on that. That's coming out now. There's a lot of, lot of programs coming up as well. I'm doing the uh, Grand Wagoneer. Uh, I'm going to go in Bozeman. L. Yes, L. And then the Mercedes EQE. In Denver. Woo. In Denver, yeah. I, I don't have to get on a plane. How cool is that? So thank you, manufacturers, for inviting us. Um, and, uh, Tommy, I hope that, uh, you know, people uh, check out alltfl.com because we do have a lot of different channels. And if, you know, you like electric vehicles or if you like trucks or if you like cars, we've got the channel for you. Yep. We'll see you in the next one. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.